Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome to another episode of The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez. We're covering an interesting topic today and asking the questions many people are afraid to ask because it might feel a little awkward at times or just uncomfortable, mainly due to a lack of true understanding. This is something all of us encounter and don't always know how to handle it. There are some valuable lessons waiting on us today, life lessons, in this part one episode, and there's a part two that is just as good. So stick around as we explore life behind the scenes of a special needs child. We're going to give you tools to navigate this topic in public, in parenthood, within your marriage, with friends, your schools, and in the community. Joining me is a dear old friend. Now I'm not calling her old. We have an old friendship. I respect this girl. I treasure her heart and how she loves people so well. And I'm honored to have her on today. Her name is Robin Hubbard. This is a friendship that dates back to over 30 years from elementary to junior high to high school. And as I was reflecting back, memories just came flooding in. Robin, what what comes to your mind when you think back on the good old days? Well, I will tell you there was a time when you asked me to go to the movies with you. (laughs) I knew you were going to bring this up. Did you know I was going to tell this story? Yeah, I had a feeling. I didn't know I was going to tell this story till just this second, but I'm so glad you asked. So you asked me to go to the movies. Mm -hmm. I was really pumped because you'd never really asked me to hang out outside school before. Oh, man. You know, you were. That makes me sound kind of like a snob. No, here's the deal. You were sporty. (laughs) (laughs) And I was not. I was the opposite of sporty. I was non-sporty. And so, but I always thought you were really cool. And so you asked me to go to this movie and I was really excited. My mom let me go um, because your aunt took us and your aunt was my favorite elementary teacher ever, by the way, inspired me to become a teacher. Aunt Vicky. Have I told you that? Mrs. Cross. Shout out Mrs. Cross. I don't know if she listens to your podcast, but so we're supposed to see this movie. We get there. We get our tickets for this movie. We get our little concessions. And then... Christy says to me, hey, let, let's sneak into this other movie. Oh, I just can't imagine and I was like, doing that, Robin. That's so what? out of character. I, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm just so blown away that I would do something. Well, you know, so... I was such a goody goody, Christy, and I never did anything wrong. Yeah. You know, I always make well, that, good choices. That, that kind of is true. You absolutely were one of those that made great choices. I, and I feel like I was. Maybe and that's why I didn't ask you to hang out after school. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, she makes way too many good choices. She would be no fun at all. She, she would be so boring. Fit. But oh I was literally scared through the entire movie. The entire movie. Because you were scared we would get caught. I was scared we would get caught by someone who worked there. <laughs> Mrs. Cross, I would let her down. My favorite third grade teacher. Like, I was, like, sweating through the whole movie. Did I look concerned? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bit. That is That's, awful. like, my first real memory. Like, I remember things about you from before then. But that's that's my first real friendship memory with you <laughs> sounds like i really made a positive impact on absolutely, your life absolutely you know what i actually snuck into many movies after that oh it or not. see that's what happens mm-hmm. when i opened the door for you you did you, to sneak you into gateways. movies that is 
awful. First of all, praise God, we have both grown up a lot, right? Yes, a lot. Okay, for sure. and and I'm no longer sneaking into the wrong movies. Okay, good um, to mainly know. because I don't have to. Okay, because <laughs> you're already because I'm, I'm old enough. <laughs> no, no, for real. I wanted to bring you in because um, you have walked through some really tough stuff, but also good stuff. And and I've watched you be brave throughout the whole process. So today I wanted to bring awareness to a term that people hear all the time, but a lot of people aren't really sure exactly what that means. And that's the term autism. Sometimes you might hear in conversation, someone may say, oh, he's on the spectrum. She's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And those words can be a little confusing. And Robin, you do such an amazing job of educating me on this topic. And I just had to have you on here so you could do the same for our listeners. There is so much beauty in your story, life lessons for all of us, as you share how your son has changed you and your family. And you're so honest and open about the raw realities of it all, the struggles, the victories, the growth, all of it. There's just so much to learn here. So let's get started. Robin, Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, about your family, and and then we're just going to dive right in on this topic. Well, first of all, Chrissy, I just want to thank you for asking me to do this. I just really appreciate having the opportunity to be able to answer questions that I know people are afraid to ask. So thank you. Thank you for having me here to do that. Um, So basically, a little bit about our family. My husband, Donnie, and I have been married almost 20 years in May. We got married in the year 2000, which is, you know, 2020, 20 years. He owns um, men's clothing stores, and I am an elementary school teacher. Um, We have three kids. So Allie's almost 13. Um, Luke is nine years old in third grade. And then we had a little surprise bonus blessing (laughs) that we didn't know we wanted, but God knew exactly what our family needed. And he is two years old. His name is Andrew. And he's just amazing. So we are just in the trenches with an almost teenager, a son with special needs and a toddler. Like I just, you know, why don't we just all do it all at once? <laughs> and you're working full time. And I'm working full time. We're just trying to figure it out day by day and doing the best we can and trying to spread awareness about autism, but also just about our son and how cool he is and um, what a blessing he is to this world. Well, I think it is definitely a brave thing that you are doing here today. Um, just being willing to talk about this and help other parents and and anyone who wants to know more about this topic. So before Luke showed up on the scene, you had already had Allie. Mm -hmm. And Allie is this healthy, bright, catching on, everything is developing correctly, beautiful, all-American girl. Three and a half years later, you have Luke. Did everything seem pretty normal with Luke? Everything seemed normal, but I I guess looking back and of course, at the time when you're in it, you don't know and you make excuses and you think of all these other things that could be. But I think the first red flag was that he was just extremely hard to bond with. Whereas Mm. Allie, I felt like we bonded immediately. And with him, it was harder. And I remember feeling a lot of guilt for that, feeling like it was my fault. Knowing what I know now, um, it's just harder for Luke to connect 
with anyone, even to this day. And so where bonding did come, it just took a little longer than it did with Allie. It was a little bit harder. So that was kind of the first thing I noticed. Well, then it came to the time where he was supposed to be rolling over. He wasn't rolling over. He's supposed to be sitting up. He wasn't sitting up. All those milestones that he was supposed to be hitting, you know, you go to the pediatrician for the checkup. They ask you all those questions. And every single answer to every single question was no. Mm. No, he's not doing that. And not only no, he's not doing that. I was thinking things like, I can't even imagine him doing that. Mm. Like He was so far away from that. You know, Mm -hmm. is he stacking blocks on top of each other? Absolutely not. I can't even imagine him picking up a block and being able to put it on another block. Mm -hmm. He was very, very particular about eating, um, would not eat any solid food, ate ate baby food for, for two whole years, would not eat solid food, foods that every other baby eats like Cheerios. And like he would not. And not only would he not eat it, but his reaction to it was so violent. You know, when I would tell people, well, he he won't eat that. They did not understand what I meant by that. It wasn't a typical child, you know, being a picky eater, which is what a lot of people thought. It was a violent reaction. It was, if I put a Cheerio on his high chair, it was the same reaction if I had to put a rattlesnake on Allie's. He mm-hmm. just... Just over the top. Over the top. The mm-hmm. anxiety that that would bring him. And he would bang his head on the back of his high chair so hard, we were afraid he was going to give himself a concussion. It was that hard. Mm. And we just didn't know what to do. And again, he just wasn't hitting the milestones. He wasn't playing with toys, you know, Um But I would say things to people like I would kind of express my concerns to people in our family, to friends, whoever. And and everybody just people who love you just want to make you feel better. Mm -hmm. They just want to make it okay. They want you not to worry about things. And so they kind of do the same thing I was doing, which is making up excuses. Well, so and so in our family does that. Or, well, you were kind of like that. Or Donnie was kind of like that. Or um, it's because he has an older sister and she does everything for him. In my heart, I knew something was wrong. You don't want to believe that there's something wrong. So you do everything you can to make excuses so that you don't have to deal with the fact that there could be something wrong. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I was I was reading up on just signs of autism. They don't pick up on social cues, lack Mm -hmm. empathy, indifferent to human interaction. And I, I hear this in your story. They don't engage at the staring of faces of others. Did you notice that? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And all of these that you're saying and that I'm, I'm sure you've got some more on the list, um, they're all very typical of children with autism. But they they always say there's a saying that says, if you know, a, if you know one child with autism, you know, one child with autism because they're all so different. Mm-hmm. And so some kids can show some of these and not others, some of these stronger than other ones. It just kind of depends on the child. Luke's eye contact was better than most children with autism for mm-hmm. some reason. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. But these other areas were very, very difficult for him. Happy to play alone. Yeah. Not really interested in playing with toys. Yes. Um, delayed verbal communication, um, which you touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, rely a lot on nonverbal interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, repetitive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, don't like being touched or cuddled. And emotional outbursts. Were you stressed out as a mom during that time? Oh, absolutely. I, I blamed myself for everything. Mm. I blamed myself for every milestone he didn't hit. I blamed myself for his eating issues. I knew he wasn't getting the nutrition he needed, but I didn't know how to get it in him. 
I was relying on vitamins. There wasn't a fruit or vegetable that he would eat to this day. It's a struggle. Um, There was a lot of blame, a lot of me thinking, did I do something in my pregnancy to cause this? Was there something I ate? Was there something I did? I remember I fell one time. Could it be because of that? I mean, you just go over every single detail because as humans, we want to know why. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? Sure. There had to have been a cause. And I have to know what the cause is. And I f- you finally come to a place of, we don't know. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of theories. There's research being done every day. But at, when it comes down to it, we really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to get up to a point of accepting that, accepting that there might not be answers mm-hmm. and just accepting your child for just who they are. What about in public? The hardest part early on was when Luke was in um, a room with a lot of kids that were the same age, whether we were at a birthday party or I had him in little mommy and me gymnastics because I had done it with Allie and she loved it. And so I I took him and I remember this is an example. I remember being in this little mommy and me class and there were probably 20 kids in the class. And there was a part where the kids get to go and just run free in the gym. And it's basically like gymnastics kind of stuff, but it's four kids and there's balance beams and there's bars and there's all these things that they can run and play in. I would look around and all the kids are doing all of these things and they're playing with their parents and they're, you know, on all the equipment and they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And there was this huge gymnastics mat that literally covered like the whole floor of the gym. And over in the corner of the mat, there was a warning label that was just words printed on the mat. And Luke was laying down on his stomach, just staring at those words, just staring at them with all of the fun things to do around him, with all the other kids running around doing all of these fun things and interacting with their parents and interacting with each other. And my son, all he wanted to do was lay down on the mat and stare at these words and that in and um, itself was very hard for me. And then I would look around and, and catch people staring at him. How'd that make you feel? Embarrassed, um, upset. Like, why isn't my child like everybody else? Worried. Why isn't my child like everybody else? Um, I almost felt like some of them were looking at me like with pity, which I didn't like. Some were looking at me like he was weird or strange, which I didn't like. But nobody would just come up and say, huh, does he like letters? Or, you know, nobody would talk to me about it. It was almost like I was outcast from the class because my son wasn't acting like everybody else. And everybody kind of knew what that something was wrong. So they just stayed away from me. And they just stayed away from him. And they didn't interact with him. And they didn't really interact with me. And looking back on that, I know it was just because they didn't know what to say or they were afraid they would say something wrong. Isn't that what we all do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's better just to not say anything. But not saying anything almost feels worse than if somebody would have come up and said something offensive sometimes, if that makes sense, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so comparing, Because it, at least it would feel like they see you. They see, yeah. And they're, they're acknowledging you. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And they're interested in him. Mm-hmm. So the hardest part in the beginning was was comparing him to other children. And why is it my child like everybody else's child? What have I done that has caused my child to not 
be able to do these things that all these other kids are doing. So there's a stage of that. I think the first stage is, is, well, first of all, denial, which I was talking about making all of those excuses of why he's not doing the things that he's doing. So that was kind of first. And then when we first got the diagnosis, I was like, all in, we've got this, we're going to figure this out. We're going to fix him by kindergarten. I'm on this did all the research in the world. I'm going to know everything that I can possibly know about it so I can fix him. I was going to fix him. And then when the fixing kind of doesn't happen, there was a really hard stage of grief that I went through. And I know that my husband did too. And you're really grieving the life that you thought your child would have. So I went through a stage of grieving that my child won't ever be on a a baseball team. Well, now, you know, God's turned that around and he plays Miracle League baseball with other kids with special needs. He might not ever get married. He might not ever have children. He might not ever be able to hold a job. You know, you just go through all of these. What does his future look like? And how can I help him navigate that? And then there is the stage of, which Donnie and I still struggle with, what happens when we're gone? You know, who's going to take care of him? Um, because yes, we the goal is that he can completely function on his own in this world as an adult. And that's what we're working toward literally every day of his life. But if that doesn't happen, what does that look like in trying to prepare? So I've been in stages of over-preparing, over-researching, overly optimistic. And then I've been just in the dark places of why did this happen? God, how could you allow this to happen to our son? And that was a really hard thing to go through. But I also think every parent with a child with special needs needs to go there. They need to go there. And what's so cool about our God is that he can take it. He can take it. And he's patient and graceful with us through that and walks through that with us. But I do think you have to go there. Mm -hmm. And I think I didn't allow myself to go there in the beginning Because I was just, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do the research. And then when I finally got there, it was really low and really hard. Um, So I just try to tell parents, allow yourself that time to grieve what you thought his childhood was going to look like or her childhood or what you thought he or she was going to be able to do or the conversations you thought you were going to have or whatever ideas you had in your mind of what it was going to be like raising this child, go ahead and grieve that. And I think it's okay. But like I said before, don't stay there. You just can't stay there. Mm -hmm. So then you got to move out of that. And now what are we going to do to give him the best life that we can? Mm -hmm. It's just acknowledging it, facing it. Um, I I think so often, and this can go into any other topic, um, trials are hard things that we face. If we don't, acknowledge it, face it, talk about it. Um, it, it doesn't just disappear. It, it goes inside, it stays inside and it will manifest in other ways, either through rebellion, sin, um, addiction, you know, it, it comes out anger. It'll come out in all different ways if it's not dealt with. And I think those are wise words that you're saying to, to face it, um, talk about it. Be honest. You know, that that's one of the biggest things. You didn't say that word, but that's what you're doing. Yeah. You, you finally came to this place. I got to be honest with what's going on here. Absolutely. Um, and, and with that said, you know, someone could be listening and they could say, oh, this is depressing me. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, because we're just talking about this hard stuff, but is it all depressing? No, no. So let me tell you about Luke for a second. So before Luke was even born, I felt this word be placed on my heart about him. I know it was from the Lord and it was the word joy. Mm. Literally ever since the day Luke was born, the amount of joy that he's brought into our family, that he shows towards everybody who meets him, everybody who sees him. So the meaning of Luke is giver of light. And that's exactly what he is. He just, he has the biggest smile on his face all the time. He laughs hysterically for no reason. Well, we say no reason. He's laughing at something. We just don't know what it is. (laughs) He's the happiest kid, even though you know he's got so much going on and he's struggling with all these things. And he is so joyful. We were at church on a Wednesday night eating dinner in the gym, the church gym. And at our church, there are the fruits of the spirit painted in these huge letters all around the gym. And I was watching Luke and he was running around the gym because it was just a wide open space. And he was just running and running and laughing and playing. And at this point, he was two years old. He wasn't really speaking. There were so many things that he wasn't doing, but he was running and laughing and laughing and laughing. And I looked up and he was running right in front of that word joy. Mm. And I picked up my cell phone and took a picture of it right in that moment. And that's what popped up on my Facebook today was that memory. And really? It was almost like, yeah. The day we're doing this interview. Yes. Yeah. And that's just always followed me is that that's what Luke gives to not just our family, but everybody who knows him is just joy. And I actually um, got to speak at church one time. And um, the topic I, I spoke about was joy. And I actually talked about Luke and I told all these things that Luke does that we don't do because of his autism. And that's why he has joy for for one. He he doesn't lie. He doesn't know how to tell a lie. He's never told a lie and he doesn't know when he's lied to. I tell Allie all the time, this is going to be so great when you're older and you, you can come to your brother and say, do I look good in this dress? And he will really <laughs> tell you the truth. <laughs> You do or you do not. I was like, this could be a real bonus for us, you know, because he always tells the truth. So Luke has just the rawest form of joy, of emotion that anyone could possibly have because he doesn't know how to fake anything. He doesn't know how to pretend everything's all right when it's not. He doesn't know how to manipulate people with his feelings. He doesn't understand past or future So he only lives in the present. I mean, that's going to bring you joy, right? So he's not living in the past of, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. He does something wrong and then he's immediately over it. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. there's not truly lives in the present. Yeah, he he doesn't understand shame. He doesn't understand walking around with guilt. He doesn't feel that he has no fear. He's not afraid of anything. He doesn't he doesn't understand danger. Mm hmm. I mean, how how often do we just live in fear, Mm -hmm. not only live in fear of what's going to happen in the future, but just live in fear of everything? What if I make this decision or he just doesn't have that? He doesn't feel fear. Now, that's scary for us because he doesn't know if he runs in front of a car, Mm -hmm. it's going to hurt him. Mm -hmm. But it makes him pretty happy because he just thinks everything's great all the time. Mm -hmm. But what a way to live to not be afraid of anything, you know, security. Yeah. 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 Luke just reminds us what's really important in life, I think. He reminds us things like 
not to take yourself too seriously because he doesn't take anything seriously. Nothing is serious. He reminds us things like, you know, he's never, ever, ever in a hurry. He's never worried about being late. He's never worried about getting something done. Mm-hmm. He just goes through life just enjoying the every moment. minute, living in the moment. You know, he just doesn't worry. There's no worry. Mm. I can't imagine a life with no worry. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that I were more that way. He doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't compare himself to others. Um, like, what a good lesson that is for all of us. Mm-hmm. He never looks at a kid beside him and says and thinks, I wish I had that or I wish mm-hmm. I looked like that or I wish I could be more like that. He doesn't care. He just is who he is and he's fine with who he is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't hold grudges. He's just a really good example to us as a family and to the people who know him well as to the way that Jesus really wants us to live. Mm-hmm. That is where our strength comes from, that that joy is readily available to all of us. We just kind of let the whole world muddy our view and steal our joy. But if you didn't have all that, you'd be like Luke and just be happy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I I really think sometimes, like, how what am I doing right now? How could I be more like him? And if, if I did do those things... If I stopped worrying, if I stopped, you know, being ashamed about something or or living in the past or or wishing I would have made different, different, different decisions, all those things that just steals my joy, just steals my joy. He doesn't have any of that. And he's the most joyful person that we know. Wow. I mean, that's powerful to me. I think it, I think it's so interesting, the irony um, of it, because you've got on one hand, Luke has these limitations and and internally he gets frustrated and and it's a struggle for everyone around him um, which makes it hard and then on the other hand he lives a life that is so unlimited in the sense he is fully free to be himself yeah in every way yeah i mean that's powerful to me absolutely and we try to really allow him to be himself as well um, which is another thing that i would tell to parents who are just dealing with this you know, in the early stages is that a lot of children with autism are going to do a lot of things that the outside world would think are weird or strange or would look at him and roll their eyes. But we allow him to do those things. So whether it's flapping his hands or spinning in circles or, you know, walking around with a helicopter everywhere he goes, we just let him do those things and let him be who he is. And we don't ever tell him, stop spinning, don't do that. He has completely taken away my my need to be perfect because before I had Luke, I, I wanted my life to look a certain way. I felt like my house needed to be a certain way. My family needed to look a certain way. I needed to to be a certain way. I needed to strive and be good enough. And I wanted everybody around me to think that my life was perfect. And then Luke came along and there was no hiding that my life was not perfect. And it was just a big old mess. And I was just trying to figure it out and navigate it. And and so I just really learned that to let that perfectionism go and just embrace who we are and who we all are. Like, not only is Luke not perfect, none of us are perfect. None of us are. And we've got to quit striving for that. Um, so that's really been a huge thing that we learned from him. Also, that there are people in this world who are different from us. And the reason that they're different from us, there's always a reason So even if someone is hateful or mean, now I think, why? What could have caused that? What's in their past that have caused them to be that way? 
Um, if I see a child in a grocery store throwing a fit where I used to think, well, if that was my child, they wouldn't be doing that before I had kids. Of course, like we always we all did before we had kids. <laughs> now I think, oh, goodness, that that child could be going through something. Maybe they're hungry. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they missed their nap. Maybe they have sensory needs. Maybe they have autism. I've just completely it's it's, it's taken away my need to feel like I need to judge others. I was about to say the word that comes to my mind is grace. Yeah, it's giving you more grace with other people. Absolutely. Um, and, and oftentimes perfectionism um, usually lacks grace. Yes. And and also when I hear you talk about all these characteristics of Luke, I mean, he is living like what we're all called to live. Trust God. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own, right? Yeah. Um, be honest. Be pure. Just be raw. Be who you are. Reflect joy and Wow. I mean, Luke is nailing it right now. Yeah, he's got it. He's killing it. We think we need to fix him. I think we need to fix ourselves. Yeah. I think we need to look at Luke, and um, which is such a blessing to me because you have that daily reminder of God saying, look, this is really what I'm, I'm calling you to be like. Yeah. Right. Mm, that's good. Well, we're out of time for today's podcast, but don't leave yet. I have a brave word and brave challenge for you coming up. And really quickly, I want to encourage you to join us for part two as Robin gives amazing advice to parents as we take a look at shame and guilt. Also, she'll share some beautiful stories of how adults and kids have rallied around her family and are making a positive impact throughout the schools and the community. We'll look at how this affects a marriage and how to create a positive culture with siblings of a special needs child. There are more powerful life lessons to come from our main man, Mr. Luke. Here's a quick clip of part two that will be out in just a couple of weeks. Take a listen. So there he was throwing himself into work here. I was throwing myself into research and we really started to slowly grow apart before we even knew what happened. Part two is so good. You just don't want to miss it. Now, let me leave you with a final brave word. When I think of everything Robin shared today, there's so many life lessons that we could talk about in another 30 podcasts. There's just so much to process. But the word that keeps coming to my mind is the word grace, grace towards others and towards ourselves. God's word says that the Lord longs to be gracious to us and he rises to show us compassion. It's easy to have judgment about something or someone, usually because we don't have a deep understanding of what's really going on in their shoes. But if we allow ourselves to take the time to lean in, no matter how uncomfortable it might feel, giving the other person a chance to feel seen and understood, we might have something beautiful waiting for us that we just never expected. We've experienced some of that already as we've leaned in to hear more of Robin's story. And when it comes to grace towards ourselves, we often can be our own worst enemies, right? I know for me, I can have thoughts that pop up in my head, such as you messed that one up. You should be better here. Do better there. You're not enough. You're too much. And so on and so on. According to research, we have 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. 80% of those thoughts are negative and 95% of those are repetitive. Staying in that line of fire, as I would call it, only leaves a person in a place of discouragement and constant striving. So how do we receive grace for ourselves and give it to others? Well, 
I believe it goes back to knowing, truly knowing the one who created grace in the first place. It's in that intimate relationship with Christ that we come to understand who we are and the grace that he has freely given us despite anything we have ever said or done. Grace is a gift given to us over and over again so that we may also give it to others. He wants to work in us so that he can work through us. If you're struggling to give yourself grace, remember that God gives you endless amounts of it. And if he's willing to give you grace like that, maybe you could do that for yourself too. My brave challenge to you today is this. Have a conversation with someone else about the word grace and what that means in your life. Write down or share the way God has been gracious to you and a time someone else showed you grace. What was that like and how did that make you feel? Then share how you can share grace to someone else. Is there someone you can think of that you're not the best at showing grace to? Simply just explore that word, what it means in your own life, showing grace to yourself and others. I've said the word grace now like 50,000 times, but I think that's okay. We need to hear it probably another 50,000 times. Thank you again for joining us at The Brave Place. I hope you can hang with us next time for part two with Robin, where we're going to explore marriage, siblings, and how the community came together because of the impact of little Luke. Have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.